as employees are learning their job and they're finding ways to get better at their job, shouldn't we be the ones to try to help them and show them those little tips and tricks and, and say, oh, if you try it this way, you try it this way. Now, learning, of course, is a long process, right? right? We don't learn everything that we need to know overnight. So giving people an opportunity to try, fail a little bit, try something else, yeah. see how well they do, try something else, build on that experience. Um, I think that same kind of mentality can be applied to the team member experience. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going great. Well, no, it's even better than that, Josh. It's fantastic. Ah, Look where we are. Look at that. We're, we're not on Zoom. We're not on Zoom. We're in person. It's nice to be in person. There you go. Yeah. Fist bump. Sorry, I didn't explode That's with okay. you there. That's yeah. okay. For those listening only, Matt made the explode. <laughs> well, you know he made the, the sound, but also yeah. with his fist. Yeah. So where, where are we? I was just going to ask. <laughs> I'm in Fort Myers, Florida. So am I. At the Luminary Hotel at the Florida Attractions Association Annual Conference 2023. And we are in the networking center. We are. Right? Because There's people all around. We figured this would just be the best place to set up our equipment and record a podcast. So let's do it. Yeah. So thank you to FAA. This is maybe it's like an ask for forgiveness versus permission <laughs> type thing. Yeah. But FAA has been so good to us. We just we just let a round table. Uh, we have recorded Attraction Pros Live here multiple times. Our first Attraction Pros Live was at FAA last year. Our 250th episode was with FAA. And now here we are recording episode 302. This is so exciting. Woo! That's a lot of math. But yeah. what I'm really excited about, not only to get into this conversation, is but the energy here is just so incredible. You can see people walking around if you're watching the video, and if you just listen to the audio, check out the video, because um, we are on YouTube. But when you come to the, the Florida Attractions Association Conference, it's like a big family reunion. And so if we could just take just a second to think about how cool it is that they've given us so many opportunities over the years to do Attraction Pros Live, to allow us to uh, man a, uh, a round table session. Mm -hmm. so, uh, we've, we've gotten certainly a lot from FAA and uh, we just love to give back as much as we can. And this morning we talked about uh, the intersection of the guest and employee experience three times in, in three <laughs> in round consecutive table. roundtable discussions, uh, which was just, just so fantastic and, uh, and it was just great to hear how people are engaging both their guests and employees and something you and I talk a lot about is that oftentimes those are the same things, the same types of strategies. Absolutely. Just a couple of quick things from that uh, conversation, yeah. if you will. One of the things that was brought up that we do for our guests is upselling, mm -hmm. right? Which is a great way to make sure that they're getting the best value they possibly can, that they're experiencing all the things that they want to experience. And the light bulb that went off in my head was, can we do something like up service yeah. 
for our team members. What do you think that would look like? I, I thought that was, I, I was so glad you brought that up because it's, you know, for, for guests, we want to, whether we call it upsell or whether we call it, you know, suggestive selling, we've got, we've got combo packages, we've got VIP experiences, we've got all these things uh, that guests can do and ultimately spend more money doing it, it generates more revenue from the guest and it increases their overall value. So if we flip that around to the team member, we want to increase their overall value and maybe it's, it, maybe it's not generating more revenue from the team member. Although in cases you do want to, you do want your team members to generate more revenue for, yeah. for your business. So those two really go hand in hand. Hey, Emily. Hello. How's it going? Oh, Good I'm to see you. That's okay. That's, okay. <laughs> That's okay. why we're doing it here. Yeah. Okay. We did this exactly because we <laughs> hoped this would happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like, how, how can we, what can we put in place to get more value from our employees that then makes them even worth more to the company? So uh, just a, a lot of things to, to really think about as far as not just upselling our guests, but upserving our team members. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. One other thing that really um, uh, kind of sparked some thought for me was uh, somebody had brought up like annual passes and membership, mm -hmm. right? When you are you know, providing additional value, maybe it's a different way to provide new new and different value for your guests, but how can you provide that that level of value? Maybe it's a tiered system with your teams of, you know, they assert, they, they achieve certain things. Maybe right. they, it's even gamification, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. They, they unlock certain benefits, or they mm -hmm. unlock certain experiences as team members. That kind of keeps them moving forward, and one person even talked about the uh, the living classroom. Mm -hmm. So making the, the employee experience a living classroom so they're always learning, always growing, and I mean, that's what human beings want. And, and if you break that down into dollars and cents, the amount that you would invest into that loyalty program, that membership program for your team members can and should be substantially less than recruiting new employees. Because right. it, it, it costs way less in general to retain existing employees and quality talent than it is to go out and find new people. So I think something like a membership program that allows allows your team members to unlock new levels of employment beyond just the traditional ways of raises and promotions yeah. and incentives and things like that. What what surrounds all that uh, is what you can do. One of, one of the other things too, uh, I talk a lot about complaint resolution. When I talk about guest service recovery, well, guess who also has complaints? Team, team members. members. And, Maybe they complain, maybe they don't. I talk about the importance of getting complaints from guests because you're learning about issues that you can resolve. Same thing with your team members. So the way that you address er, complaints with your employees uh, can be very similar to the way that you address complaints with your guests. You also shared uh, some statistics. And the one that I think is really <laughs> telling is how many of your guests will actually complain? And then we kind of flipped the coin and said, Think about that number for your team. Right. What was that number for the guests? So the number for guests is less than 4% of people who have an issue are actually gonna speak up and, and share that, which is why it's so important to show appreciation for your guests for complaining, for thanking them for complaining, and for, for trying to extract that feedback out of them. I don't know what the stats are on the employee side, but I've gotta imagine it's similar, if not, even less because if a guest complains or if the guest doesn't complain it's because they don't want to rock the boat i don't you know i don't want to be labeled as a complainer there are a few other reasons as well with a team member now that doesn't just affect a one-time experience that now affects it, it could affect their work dynamic and yeah. it, it could affect their relationship with their employer with their co-workers so I, it, we need to make it easy for employees to be able to bring up issues that that leaders can resolve and, and improve the, the employee experience. And, and not only make it easy, but 
seek it out. Yeah. Right? Find those ways to get that information from your team so that you can take care of those situations and as, a, as an added bonus, show your team that you're listening to them mm -hmm. and that you value them and you yeah. value their time and their, their opinions. Exactly, exactly. So we had an awesome time this morning. We're having an amazing time at the conference, but you and I have also been doing <laughs> some some leisure travel in addition to a lot of business travel and yes. uh, we've, we've been getting some stamps on our passports. So, we have. And you can't travel without learning something that could infect the guest experience, the employee experience, or lessons that we could get from the attractions industry. So, so Matt, you and your wife just took a trip. Where'd you go? We went to Ireland. Uh, we took a 10-day uh, bus trip. We started in Dublin and basically went all the way around southern Ireland and landed back in Dublin. Then we went up to Belfast. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So, But you went on a trip, too. My wife and I, we went to Turks and Caicos. We just celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary. Congratulations. So, thank you very much. Uh, so we went to Turks and Caicos for four days. Four nice. nights. So, nice. Yep. Nice. So, Tell us about an experience that you had that maybe you learned something from, you took something away from. Sure, sure. So, so I have a few. Maybe we can we can go back and forth. We'll bounce um, back. Yeah, sure. So, I'll, if if you want, I can go first. The first one is something that we've talked about on the podcast before. Actually, we just talked about it with our with our most recent guest, and it's it's a quote that I bring up often, especially when it comes to guest service, hospitality, and guest experience. Yeah. And it's a quote from Walt Disney. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Are you having fun there? Yeah. We are. Yeah, absolutely. We're just chatting. Yeah. You probably hear Dan Dan Donovan talking about the auction here at, uh, at the FAA conference. And if you haven't been to the Florida Attractions Association conference before, there's a great silent auction, which is what so Dan's talking things. about. Yeah. So the quote. The quote, yes. <laughs> it's from Walt Disney. And you're probably like, oh, Josh is going to talk Another about it. A Walt Disney quote when it comes to guest service, guest experience. But follow me here. You can design and create and build the most wonderful place in the world. But it takes people to make the dream a reality. Yes. I think this quote is so powerful because it, it goes way beyond the, the facility and the experiences and everything that, that attractions provide, that hotels provide, that, that destinations provide. It's the human beings that are going to determine whether that experience is positive or negative, whether it's satisfactory or, or dissatisfactory. So we stayed at the Ritz-Carlton, which is very well known for, for being a, a, one of the top tier luxury brands. And you know me, you know that I've, I've consulted for luxury hospitality. Hey, Cindy, how's hey. it going? Yeah. I'll say, yeah, there yeah. you go. Perfect. <laughs> And, uh, and I've had the opportunity to, to audit a lot of properties from a quality assurance standpoint. And part of it was about what the experience is, but part of it is also about, is, is about the people who are, who are delivering the experience. And we encountered a number of team members, or ladies and gentlemen, as, as Ritz Carlton said, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and you could really tell where we felt the experience was standard. And by standard, I mean Ritz Carlton standards. So That's very high. And where it went, way above and in maybe a couple places maybe a little bit less but there was this one team member his name was almond okay and he was a beach attendant and we interacted with him almost every single day. i think he had one day off while while we were there which he deserves yeah but we were sad because he came up to us right with the first day we got there he was one of the first team members we interacted with. we checked in put our stuff in our room we changed it to our bathing suits we went straight to the beach you know we're, we got priorities right the ocean and he was one of the friendliest human beings I've 
ever interacted with. So I can tell you, the beaches in Turks and Caicos are incredible. I can tell you, the water, crystal clear. We could see the ocean floor from the plane. That's how, that's how beautiful and clear the water is. But my experience of being on the beach and just the enjoyment and the relaxation and the hospitality we received, what I remember most is Almond. He came up, he introduced himself as Almond Joy, and that's what Love he kept it. saying the Love whole it. time. Anytime, you know, I, I said, Almond, would I, would I be able to get, you know, a, a club soda? Why not? And he just had this, <laughs> this personality where you could tell he wanted to be there. Yeah. And now all the other team members were, were fantastic and they were they were providing Ritz-Carlton level service. Almond was just, he, he was intentionally going even beyond that. Yeah. So you can design and create and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it truly does take the people to make that dream a reality. So you could have that wonderful beach, you could have that wonderful hotel, but without Almond and people like him, you're not going to have the same experience. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It, you'll have a standard experience, which when the standard is high, that's like that's very good. That's that's the baseline. Yeah. Right. So then he saw an opportunity to say, I'm going to take one of the finest luxury brands in the world, and I'm going to say I'm going to go far beyond that. Yeah. So so the I guess the lesson for that is really. Communicate it to your frontline staff to say, we have standards and our standards are high because our guests' expectations are very high. Your job is to meet and then get creative and find ways to exceed and go beyond that standard. What I love also about that is the way he answered that question when he said, why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. You know, yeah. exactly. That's, yeah. that's exactly the attitude you right. would want, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, so often we say, sure, or no course, problem, or no problem, yeah. or whatever it is, or any, any of those other phrases that just kind of pop to your mind, but why not? Why it's not? Such a, it's, of course even, you can have a just, club soda. If you're watching on video, you can you can just see his uh, body I'm body emulating Almond's body language yes, at, the, yes. at the beach too. Yeah. So that's, that's lesson number one for me. So I had a similar experience with a team member that I remember his name. His name was Eddie. Okay. Um, there was a, a pub in Killarney, Ireland called Tatler Jacks. Okay. And uh, we had a little free time in our tour and we were going out to to dinner and get some drinks and things like that. And we had met two people from Wisconsin on our tour. So it was my wife and I, two other friends from North Carolina, and then we met two people from Wisconsin that we just really hit it off with. So there were six of us that went to this place. Didn't know anything about it, you know, when we first walked in, but there's Tatler Jacks. Come on through, it's okay. You can go through, it's all good. <laughs> um, so we go in and we walk up to the bar first and Eddie is standing back there and he hadn't developed the reputation that he was going to develop just yet. Okay. Um, but he was standing back there and he had a thick, thick Irish accent. And I'm not going to be able to demonstrate that as well as I'd like. We we'll use our imagination. Yes. Well, I'll try a little bit. <laughs> but some of the people in my group, they were, they were asking about a certain kind of whiskey, a, a peanut butter whiskey. And he says, no, you can't have that. It's crap. You know? <laughs> and just the way he said it and, you know, you think about somebody saying, well, of course you can try that. Let me give you a sample, right? That's a different type of service, but it got all of us laughing, yeah. right? And it's a pub. It's not the Ritz-Carlton. So you might expect a little different um, type of behavior. And so that got us got us laughing. Somebody said, can I have half a pint of Guinness? No, you have to have the whole thing, you know? <laughs> so whether that's his way of upselling or just having fun with us, I don't know. So we sit down. He comes over and he's explaining some things and we, we asked for, you know, somebody asked for some whiskey. He said, do you want ice? Do you want ice? I'm like, 
We don't know. Like half of what we did was trying to translate what he said. <laughs> um, one guy in our group said, "Is he asking if we want oysters? Like, what is he asking?" We finally figured out. He said, "Do you want ice in the drink?" So all these things happened. Um, at one point, Eddie actually flipped us off. Right. So that's the kind of interaction that we were having. Of course, we were drinking a little bit and you know having a really good time. And we. Um, we, you know, if there was something we needed Eddie for, we just started chanting, Eddie, Eddie, and he would come over. So what really stood out about Eddie was that there was one person in our group who doesn't drink beer, right. doesn't drink whiskey. Mm -hmm. So the two big drinks that you have in Ireland. And um, she went up to Eddie at the bar and she said, this is kind of what I'm looking for. So she kind of described a drink. She didn't like have a name for the drink. And he made something custom. He brought it over. She took a sip. And she said, this is exactly what I was looking for. Wow. Like, she didn't even know. She didn't order a specific drink, like I yeah. said. And Eddie said, well, I hope it's good because I've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> right? And what, what struck me, what struck me and, and kind of came into my mind was when we're creating a service culture, when we are training people to be great service providers, it takes time. Like, I'm sure it wasn't Almond's first day. Right. Right? Right. And Eddie had been doing this for 20 years, making drinks and serving people and having a good time. And, you know, it takes a long time to build up that confidence. So I know it's a struggle yeah. sometimes, especially with seasonal, seasonal businesses where you say, we've got three months right. you know, to build this. But I still think if you, if you build slow, and then you, you kind of build for the long term. Maybe they'll come back the season after that or the season after that. Yeah. But don't expect Eddie and Almond service in three months. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think that Eddie and Almond provided the same level of service as each other? I think that's for you and I to decide. Because right? it, was, it was very different experiences. Very different. He flipped you off. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was almost cursing it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, whereas, you know, he, you ask, you ask the same question, Almond says, why not? And he says, no, no you, know, you can't do it. That's crap, yeah. you know, or you gotta yeah. do the full pint. Yeah. I, so I, I think maybe like the blend of, of part of the takeaways, in addition to it, it takes time to, to foster that, that skill set is also, there's all different kinds of good service. All right, next one. Yeah. When you consistently exceed expectations, you consistently raise your guests' expectations at the same time. Okay, yes. So when we talk about guest experience and the, the perception, the memory that the guest has of their experience, we want to do everything we can to go above and beyond and exceed their expectation, but it, it does present a little bit of a paradox because if you have someone who's who's a repeat visitor or if it's someone who's familiar with, with your brand, then you are, you are now training them on perhaps a new expectation if you regularly go above and beyond, then above and beyond becomes normal, becomes standard. So, like I mentioned, we were celebrating our, our fourth wedding anniversary. We'd never been to Turks and Caicos before. We'd never been to this property. Uh, but our third wedding anniversary, we did spend at another Ritz-Carlton in another country, America. But <laughs> we had a similar type of experience when they acknowledged that we were celebrating our anniversary. And even... Even when we when we got engaged, we stayed not even at a Ritz property, but it was it was at uh, one of the higher tier Hilton brands. So there's kind of this sort of luxury standard in the way that they perhaps train expectations that they want to celebrate with you in whatever it is that you're celebrating. So shortly after we checked in, uh, we got a knock on the door and opened the door, and it was um, 
you know, it was, it was uh, uh, actually it was the, the gentleman who checked us in from the front desk, which that actually was, was kind of surprising. And he came in and he had a bottle of champagne that was on ice, and had two glasses, and it had chocolate covered strawberries written in chocolate syrup, happy anniversary. That's, that meets the definition of a wow moment. Yeah. You know, I, I talk about that a lot, right? It, it, it is something that goes beyond what the guest expects. It's beyond what they, what they needed to do. Like they didn't like need to do that specifically didn't negatively inconvenience any other guests. And, and there was a minimal cost to that, right? It's, there's a cost, but not particularly high. Here's the problem. I expected that. So there was, and I know this sounds maybe a little obnoxious even, <laughs> even to kind of say this, but I, I anticipated and hoped that they would do that at a minimum. Okay. So maybe this is now the way that I've been trained. And then even prior to, you know, like, you know, this wedding anniversary, last wedding anniversary, when I consulted for properties like Ritz-Carlton, I would, I would pick up on the way that they implement these types of things, which frankly is also what drives my decision to want to stay with those properties. So it's, it's this weird sort of two-sided coin here where they did something that was above and beyond, but at the same time, I expected that because they've built a history of creating these moments that go above and beyond, built a track record across multiple properties, across across countries, right? Yeah, across international yeah, yeah. borders, right, of, of doing that. So it, it just kind of gets my gears turning to say, when you have a high guest experience standard in place, part of it is that you need to keep pushing it forward. Now, that's one of the things that I love about guest, guest experience is that it can't plateau. Yeah. There's no ceiling. Yeah. You can always find more and more ways to go above and beyond, but it's almost like when you see that your guests are starting to recognize the pattern, you need to do something to, to disrupt it. So it's, right. while you want to have it built into your routine, they saw the notes, wedding anniversary, boom. Champagne and chocolate covered strawberries, you know, that's that's what they're getting right because that's that's what we do because it exceeds Expectations yes. and we celebrate with that, but maybe now it's an expectation, but now it's now it's expected So so that's just one of the one of the challenges of Exceeding expectations is that you have to keep exceeding the expectations that you've exceeded exactly yeah. So I can't imagine what you might be expecting for your fifth anniversary. I can't imagine either. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's part of the fun is that we may not be able to imagine it, they may not be able to imagine it, but if they're thinking about it, if they're creative, right, it could be something where they, they do the, the same champagne and strawberries, but maybe there's somebody that is greeting you. Oh, it's the Liebman's coming and we're gonna we're gonna have a, a balloon that says five or something. You know right. and maybe they ask the number of of um, uh, wedding yes. anniversaries yeah. or you know if they find out names of your children or something like that and they can incorporate that in there somehow you know things like right. that would be more even more personal right and the thing is too is this it, this can't be a one-size-fits-all type thing we made friends with three other couples on this trip two of them were celebrating wedding anniversaries and one of them was on their honeymoon oh nice. so here's the thing when you walk into the ritz carlton turks and caicos yeah, there were a few people that, there were a few people we met who were on business. There were a few conferences that were happening. Whereas the majority of leisure guests were there for the exact same reason we were. And we go in wanting to feel better and more special than everyone else. So there's also that challenge of, we have to exceed their expectations, but we can't say we're 
we also did the exact same thing to the room next door. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. We did the right. exact same to the next. Thing. Right. You, so when you when you drive that personalization of the experience, it makes the guests feel like they're the only ones that matter in that moment, and tie it in with wow moments that perhaps you need to continually get more and more creative with. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I've got another one. Okay. If if you don't mind. I I I do mind that you do. Okay. If that makes sense. I don't think it does. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, Please. So so this one to me. Why not? Why, why not? Why not? Um, this one to me shows that a genuine experience can transcend or exceed when you know what's happening. Here, here's, I'll, I'll explain. Okay. Please unpack this. I will. Yeah. So as a tourism professional, I've been on a lot of tours, mm -hmm. right? I kind of see how they ebb and flow and how they how people interact and what yeah. their what their what their end game is of course you go through a tour and the, you go through an attraction there's a gift shop right you go through the tour there's an opportunity to buy something at the end you know it's and coming. tip the tour guide and tip the yeah. tour guide all that kind of stuff so one of the stops on our tour in ireland was to make our own scones and we will be right back after a quick break Relocated. We've because relocated. we're shutting down the networking center. We're looking at the Caloosahatchee River right here. It's pretty cool. The, yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Yes. So. Will the, you say that quote again? Or that statement again? I don't know if I can remember it, but we can always rewind it. Transcending. Yes. Yeah. So well, even when you know what's happening, the, the experience, the genu genuineness can transcend what you know is happening. So okay. we were talking about how... You go to an attraction in a theme park, you know you're going to go through the gift shop. You right. go to a tour, you know you're going to tip the tour guide at the end, right. that kind of thing. So we were making our own scones. Okay. So we go to the Rathburn Farm in Ireland, and they have this great setup, you know, very intimate, like six tables. And on each table, there's some ingredients to make the scones and some rubber gloves, and you all kind of sit around the table and, you know, go to different stations. And there's a, a person that's walking you through the experience, okay. right? Super funny, kind of like Eddie, kind of made fun of us a little bit, you know, okay. almost like a Dick's Last Resort, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Cones, but <laughs> super fun, <laughs> laughing, laughing, laughing. Um, so the end of the experience, we make our own scones, yeah. right? And, or I'm sorry, we eat our own scones. Okay. So they, they bake the scones that we made and then we get to eat them. Yeah. And during this whole process, I'm thinking, there's got to be something at the end. Like, yes, we paid for the tour. Yes, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. there's got to be something at the end, right? And so Frances, the, one of the owners of the farm, at the end she says, and if you've enjoyed the scones, you can buy the recipe. Ooh. People lined up to buy that recipe, you know, because it was so good. It was so simple. A sheet of paper? Like, like, it was, yeah, I mean, it was like a little card. Yeah. You know, but you bought the recipe, and of course, with that, you get these other cooking implements that okay. we got or whatever. But here's the thing that I thought was so interesting. Tell me. I knew it was coming. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I didn't feel like I was being sold to. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was being 
manipulated okay. into buying this recipe yeah. or you know don't going you know doing something extra that I wouldn't have done anyway. Yeah, yeah. So because it was so genuine, and in the uh, in the middle when after we had mixed all the ingredients before they cooked the scone or before we ate the scones while they were cooking we went out and we saw the sheep dogs and we yeah. saw the sheep and you know how they you know raise the sheep and feed the sheep and all that kind of stuff and then we came back in and ate the scones so okay. it was such a genuine incredible experience that you felt like you were the only person that ever did it even though mm. I know there's tours that go on all the time. Yeah. So I think that's what I was taking away from that was that the relationship was built in that short period of time. The genuineness of the interactions was so powerful that I didn't care that this happens I don't know how many times a day. Does that make sense? And so there was a very seamless transition into a an opportunity to spend more money that just felt so natural. So it wasn't like the exit through gift shop where it's like, okay, I gotta go through the gift shop. Now. Yeah. Or it wasn't, you know, the, the tour guide at the end saying, you know, we, we you know, gratuities are never yeah. required, but always appreciated. And, yeah. and this is how we make our living. But it was, it was, it was more like it was now just the next part of the experience. Absolutely. Is is oh now now I get to you know to, to buy the <laughs> recipe that's so cool they're they're giving me this opportunity to spend more money right to, yes. to buy the recipe so it was it was woven in it absolutely was okay I like hey, it hey, what's hey, up Chuck hey. how's it going oh you're good my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay <laughs> so sorry Chuck so sorry wow. so that's a really interesting thing to think of when you think about how you want to. Whether it's you want to upsell or whether you want to, we were talking about like upselling earlier at the very beginning. We were talking about the intersection of you know of the guest and employee experience and and being able to naturally craft experiences that that enhance the experience for the guest while at the same time drive more revenue for the business. You know what this also just made me think of? What? And it sparked from exactly what you just said. Like thinking about this from the employee standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. How often do we have to have? What might be difficult conversations mm -hmm. with employees, right? But if you built a relationship with them, if you've been so genuine to that point that they know that everything you're doing is to help them, mm -hmm. everything you're doing is to support them, everything you're doing is to make their lives better, then if you're having a discussion about their performance, it's got to be because you're trying to help them, right. not because you're coming down. So. When I think about that experience being so genuine that I didn't see, I didn't mind what was coming, I didn't feel manipulated, we don't want our team members to feel manipulated either. So you're saying if, if we flip it around to the employee experience, create something where the employee doesn't mind being coached, maybe being disciplined, maybe even being written up because of all the all the equity that was built prior to that leading up to that moment. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Good parallel. Yeah. Good parallel. yeah. Cool. Kind of the con concept of the trust bank. Yeah. You know, where exactly. you, you make deposits, eventually you're gonna have to make withdrawals. Right. But you just don't want to go into a negative balance. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. So we got time for a couple more. I think so. All right. Sometimes you need to help your guests have the best experience that they can. Okay. So I talk a lot about uh, anticipating guest needs, which is that uh, maybe we answer questions that, that the guest might not necessarily think to ask, or uh, maybe we, we sort of 
intervene to kind of guide them to, to, to have the experience that you know that they should have. In this particular example, well, let me ask you a question. Okay. Have you ever paddleboarded? Yes. Are you good? No. Good. I'm so glad you said that. Okay. <laughs> I've paddleboarded a couple of times, actually. Uh, both were in, were a little more inland. One was actually in uh, in the intercoastal waterways near near Titusville and near uh, like Cape Canaveral area, and it was like at dusk and the water was just still. It was glass. Uh, another time was was in Lake Michigan, so a, a larger body of water, but still it was it was in the morning. It was a relatively calm day. The most recent time I went paddleboarding was in Turks and Caicos, where I went, and, and the paddleboards they were they were totally included with uh, as a hotel guest, which I actually thought was was a great amenity because it's usually you know it's thirty bucks for an hour at the lowest end. Or it's Carlton, you, you would ex expect maybe a little bit more. So it already exceeded my expectations, actually. The paddleboard rental was free. I was not expecting that. Which meant I don't have to be concerned about how long I'm taking it out for. I don't have to be concerned about how many times I'm taking it out for. And I also don't really have to be concerned about how good I am, too. Because it's just, I'm, I'm not, it's not a huge commitment to the experience. So the last couple times I paddleboarded, perhaps I built up some confidence in myself that allowed me to say, I'm really good at paddleboarding. So I go to rent the paddleboard, and, and, and Franny and I, my wife and I, we both you know go to rent the paddleboards, and and the guy uh, uh, at the at the shack, right at the the paddleboard rental shack counter, he said, uh, have, "Have you ever paddleboarded in uh, in choppy water before?" And I look out and I see the water, and you know there's some boats going by here and there, and maybe there's some waves a little bit, but I, I look at it, I'm just like, choppy water. This, <laughs> I'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'll, don't worry about it. I've, I've paddleboarded in this before. This is like narrator, you know, <laughs> he yeah. was wrong, yeah. right? <laughs> so we get out there and, and he like gives us like some really small like tips and tricks on, you know, on, on basically just getting onto the board and weight distribution and things like that. And I, uh, you know, like the, the other times I've done it had been, I think like one time was off a dock. So like solid, you know, like really like was able to, to maneuver myself easily. This time, like you gotta, like you gotta paddle out, like on your stomach, and then you get out, you know, far enough to where you're gonna stand up, and then you gotta be really swift in the way that you shift all of your weight onto the board. Yeah. So I stood up and I started paddling, and I fell, and that happened several more times. Uh, let's just say everyone on the beach had free entertainment. Okay. So this is. You know, this this was a, a humbling experience for my paddleboarding skill, and uh, the guide, you know, he waves me over, and and, and Franny, she was she was falling too, but not nearly as much as as I was. She she yeah. was up and she was paddling around, and I think I think me falling caused like more ripples that caused her to fall Probably, off yeah. the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think she was annoyed with me, but she was also like, come on. So the guy, you know, calls me back, and first he tells me, he says, "Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, that you're with your height and the size of the paddleboard, you know, you, like, you're you're a little too tall for the size of the board." And, and I said, "Well, first of all, I, I appreciate you telling me that, but I'm sure that that's not the only reason that's you know that's causing me to fall. Do you have do you have longer boards?" He said, "No, this is the only size we have." Uh, but then he he tells me some some tips and some tricks on 
how to maneuver and distribute my weight so that so that I can do it. Try a few more times. I keep falling, and then he says, "You know what? If you come back, you know, you know, right when we open in the morning, that's when the, the fewest amount of boats are out. So there's there's the least amount of waves, and the water is is the most still." So this was on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday we had a, a snorkel tour, so we, we weren't able to, to go back on Wednesday, but we went back Thursday morning, right when they open, and I got it. And we same guy. We went over those those uh, those tips, those kind of just like little tactics on just how to get up on the board. And I got up and Franny and I both did. And, and one of our new friends that we met, I told you all the other couples yeah, that we yeah. met, one of, them, one of them stayed back. He took all the pictures. So if you saw the pictures of me on the paddleboard, that was, that was Roberto, his wife, Kaylin. She was, she was with us on the paddleboard. We went like three or four hotels away on the water. And then we did a 180 and we came back. The water was calmer. We were all up <laughs> at the same time, and it was a much more pleasant experience. And I feel like it improved my experience because I needed that little little guide and and, and sort of that that handholding to have the best experience possible. And what it reminded me of is is you know work, working in theme parks, and uh, when I worked at Men in Black, that's that's a, a, a game that has, or it's a ride that's a game, right? And, and you yeah. accumulate points. And because I worked there and I walked the track every single morning when everything was quiet and the ride wasn't open, obviously, and I was able to see where all the sensors are. I, I knew how to max out, right? Yeah. I, knew, yeah. I knew how to literally have the best possible experience on that ride because there's only six numbers. So you can only get nine, 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 nine. And when people would come down, and when I would see that people uh, kept coming back and maybe they were challenging each other and trying to beat their score, I would tell them each time, I said, hey, you know, look for, you know, look for Frank the Pug, right? He's going to be up on the right-hand side as you turn around and you get the targets right in the forehead, right? And they'd come back the next time. I'd say, eyes in the trees. Those are 15,000 points apiece. And they'd say, hey, see that red button that it tells you not to push? Yeah. Push it right when, <laughs> right when you hear Rip Torn tell you to, you know, to press the subatomic thermal disruptor. So I was able to guide the guests on their experience that, that enhanced their experience. So it kind of ties in with those wow moments of, did I have to do it? No. Did, did, that, uh, did that paddleboard rental attendant have to do that? No. But he was able to anticipate where he could add his expertise and his proficiency to enhance my experience. So, first of all, great story. Thank you. First of all, great, great experience <laughs> and great way to explain that and tie that back to the, the guest experience that you helped yeah. create for people. How about for the employee experience? Mm. Think about, because that's what I started thinking about too, okay. right? Okay. You know, as employees are learning their job and they're finding ways to get better at their job, shouldn't we be the ones to try to help them and show them those little tips and tricks and, and say, oh, if you try it this way, you try it this way. Now. Learning, of course, is a long process, right. right? We don't learn everything that we need to know overnight. So giving people an opportunity to try, fail a little bit, try something else, yeah. see how well they do, try something else, build on that experience. Um, I think that same kind of mentality can be applied to the team member experience. Continually training, continually coaching them and teaching them so that they can enhance their experience and have a better time while they're working, and that could also help retention. So as an employee increases their proficiency in their job, it feels more natural, it feels yep. more second nature, uh, and, they, and they see the effects of it, right? So you said like they, they try and they fail a little, and they learn, and they test and adjust, and they try again, and they, they collect small wins along the way. Yeah. Not unlike me on a paddleboard yep. <laughs> off the beach in Turks and Caicos. And I would also <laughs> imagine not unlike Almond, yeah. Right, you know, early in his career, not like un, like unlike Eddie, 
you know, early yeah. in his career, not like unlike us, right. early in our career. And, um, and so, then, and kind of, well, blending a lot of that together, yeah. you, you, we experienced Almond and, and Eddie respectively, and based on our perspectives, and the, the other guest in your group who tasted the drink and said, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. We, we envisioned that they were born that way. And that's and they're not right. Yeah, it, and and then we talk about all those years that it that it took to accumulate that proficiency and the and the failures and the test and the adjust and and the the amount of times you'd fall off the paddleboard metaphorically. Right. But then you know every time I did it, I kept saying I don't care that I fell. I just want to get back on and try it a different way. Right. So we can use this paddleboard as as the metaphor for for the it's, employee it's, experience. It's, it's a great it's a great metaphor as long as you're not beating people over the head with the paddleboard. Which I was not. That's good. Yeah. That's good. One <laughs> other kind of call back to Eddie is that he would not have been able to make that drink unless a couple of things came together. First of all, he had to listen, mm -hmm. right? He had to listen to what the guest was saying and really take it in and try to understand what they were looking for. But he also had to have the knowledge of what kind of products he had that he could combine ice or, you know, certain alcohol or, mm -hmm. you know, mixers and whatever to make exactly what she was describing, you know, from 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 her taste buds to her mind, right, and then create it in real life. He needed to to know everything that she was envisioning, yeah. that maybe she couldn't even fully articulate because it was just a, a hodgepodge combined with his proficiency of everything at his disposal behind the bar: the garnishes, right. the syrups, the like you said, the the, 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 the liquor that, or and, the, and, not the liquor, but everything else. And right? and and, yeah. and what to um, uh, how to mix it. Yeah. Right. You know what what percentages and that kind of thing. So um, that was kind of a perfect storm. Yeah. Of twenty years of experience <laughs> coming together, um, that you you just can't duplicate. Right. Without without the time. Right. Without right. The time. So I've got one more. Okay. Let's finish it off. Let's finish it off. It's so, a little quieter now. Know, We're, right? We moved out in the hallway. <laughs> the doors behind us are closed. The silent auction's done. The silent. Did you win anything? I didn't bid. Neither did I. I didn't yeah. bid. I, Next time. Early or often. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so. so the last experience to me has everything to do with environment. Okay. Right? We talk a lot about putting guests in a certain environment so they feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Same thing with team members. We happened to, um, one of the stops on the tour was in Waterford, Ireland. Okay. We've heard of Waterford Crystal. Yes. Okay. Well, we got the tour of the factory, but this oh. has nothing to do with that this story. Okay. Anyway, so what was, we thought, cooler than the Waterford Crystal factory was we got to um, go to a pub that had been there for 300 years. Wow. And it was almost untouched. They just added bathrooms, I want to say, in the 60s, 1960s. Okay. Right. okay, but it had been there for 300 years. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, it was a small little uh, pub. One yeah. room was kind of the, the room where you'd sit and drink and talk and everything and then the other side was the bar mm -hmm. so you'd have to kind of go through this little breezeway to get to the bar um, and we got two free drinks so you could just go up and you know order whatever you want and of course there was somebody there that had joined our tour gave us a little tour of Waterford and he was also a singer-songwriter so he was gonna sing some songs hmm. and of course at the end you could buy his CD hmm. right so this was although another um, genuine experience that didn't feel so um, transactional right if that right. makes sense but what I think really enhanced this experience, and I, I, I kept coming back to it in my mind, is that this building has so much history. 300 years that this place had been, um, uh, been serving patrons, 
And I think it was largely the same family hmm. that was, you know, took over generation after generation after generation. And again, what it made me think of is just even the physical environment that you put people in, what kind of mood does that create for them? Okay. The colors you use, the, the, um, the decorations, the ambiance, the lighting, the sound, all those things we talk about in a themed environment. Mm -hmm. But then also for the team member experience. Right. You know, sometimes yeah, the yeah. team member experience, and I think we've talked about this before, the break room for the team members is like a blank white room, you know, that used to be a storage closet. Right. You know, where we put all this time and effort and energy into the amazing experience we create for the guests. And so as I was, you know, listening to this gentleman's songs and he was, he was uh, very personable and of course he had a tip jar, you know, the whole nine yards, but I just couldn't help but think about how the experience was enhanced just because of the history of the place we were in. Mm -hmm. So the, the structure itself, yep. you know, knowing, knowing that you were in that, you were in that environment, almost kind of created that, that escapism. Mm -hmm. Like you probably weren't thinking about like filing your taxes, you know, <laughs> while, while you were in there, right? It was not. And, and that's what, not. and I know it was after tax day anyway, but you know, for, <laughs> as an example of, of like a mundane thing that like we need to do in life, uh, you go to environments to not think about that, right? Yeah. And in the attractions industry, whether it's in a theme park or a zoo or an aquarium or a museum, you create those environments to allow people to not think about the, the things that are stressing them out in life. And then you, you add in the music and you, now we're talking about not just escapism, but also immersion as mm -hmm. well in that you were, you were just allowing people to sort of put everything on pause. Hi, ben. And now <laughs> tie in the fact that it's 300 years old, they had almost a, a responsibility, the, the owners, uh, uh, to honor the heritage while at the same time, you know, add modern fixtures like plumbing, which plumbing. was put in 60 years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and balance that and, and create that, the things that we crave in 2023 in an environment that's been around since the 1700s. And what I think was really, really interesting about that too is that, you know, you talk about the Ritz Carlton and I can just imagine, you know, the, the amenities mm -hmm. that you might have there. Again, 2023, right? The right. most luxurious place you can go and, mm -hmm. and all the things you'd ever want. When you go in here, the chairs are mismatched, right? right? They're wooden, there's yeah. probably some splinters, right? I mean, the table's kind of cockeyed and wobbly didn't matter. That's part of it. It is part of it. And then you it got Eddie part. in there, right? Or in similar types of environments, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. And that's, and so that's the immersive experience, it fits. right? It yeah. fits. I mean, yeah. if, if we'd gone in there and all the furnishings were perfect and new, that actually would have taken away, right. I think, from that. Right. So. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I also thought of another example from your last point of the, like, the genuine segue and make it not feel transactional at Legoland there is an attraction called Driving School, okay. which little kids between, uh, well, there's two to five, so like six to 12, and then there's like mini driving school for like two to five, but like the six to 12 year olds, they get in a car and they drive in real life. And you know what they, they do when they get out of driving school? They have to buy a driver's license? They, they get their driver's they license. Their driver's yes, license. It, for, in exchange for money, right? <laughs> so it's, it's the natural transaction. So I'm calling yeah. back to it because I was like, oh yeah, just like driving school, it was just assumed you get off the ride and I'm gonna get my driver's license. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, great, uh, great, a lot of great points here. Yeah. yeah, good stuff from travel, good stuff from FAA. Yeah. Yeah, so I think if we, we kind of bring some of this together, some of the things that we talked about in our roundtable, and certainly some of the things that you and I talked about is how important it is to be personal 
mm. and to create a personal connection, whether it's with a guest, whether it's with a team member, and how that differentiates the experience. Absolutely, absolutely. And that you should be focusing on exceeding your expectations, your guests' expectations, and getting creative by continually topping even what you've done before from these personal interactions for both guests and employees. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So should we do like a, a quick recap here? So the first one being, it takes people to make the dream a reality. Yeah. yeah. The second one was takes, takes time, time, decades, decades to hone your proficiency and your skills. Absolutely. The third one was, uh, was if you are exceeding expectations, then you are constantly raising your expectation. Yeah. Your fourth one was the genuine genuine transition into the transit. How, how would you? How would you? I would say the, the the genuineness transcends transaction. Genuineness transcends transaction. That's number four. Number five. Sometimes you need to help your guests have the best experience possible by anticipating their needs and using your proficiency. Yeah. And number six, all about the environment. The environment matters. The environment, the environment matters. matters. Cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a fun episode. It was a fun episode. Yeah. Absolutely. All we had to do was go to foreign countries and then come to Florida. D yeah. Well, if that's all we have to do, <laughs> we should just do that every single week. We can do that. We can do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And for everybody who's out there watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.